Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Your host, Andrew Donaldson. This is Heard Tell. Ah, Heard Tell Show. It is a Wednesday. It is July the 27th. Year of our Lord 2022 just continues to roll right along, and the news cycle is rolling right along with it. Let's try to turn down a little bit of news on it. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Thank you so much for joining Heard Tell. However, you're watching or listening, wherever you are, we really appreciate you giving us the most precious thing you have your time. Let's not waste a second of it. A lot to cover on the program today uh russia has figured out why it's losing the war in ukraine and you're not going to believe the excuse they've come up with this time we'll talk about that story in a little bit uh we also have a story we're going to cover there's a lot of stories like this there's a lot of copy that goes along these lines story about americans that can't afford the living expenses in america moving overseas but they're not what they're cracked up to be at all and it goes to the heart of one of the things we do here on herd tell not just the news and the media and news stories and opinion pieces and things like this, why they're presented, why they get out the business into the market and how things are presented to you. It gets to the heart of that. We'll talk about that story in just a little bit. Have you seen the viral video of the pizza guy saving the kids from the burning house? I'm sure you have. If you haven't, we link to it. We've got the rest of the story, who he was, who the kids were. We'll use that in our feel-good, good news segment. We always try to end on a little bit of a high note because we got to cover so many heavy topics. Great guest today, Peter Pitchkey, good friend of ours, Young Voices contributor, an outstanding uh, freelance journalist. He's been writing all over the place le- lately. We're going to get into two uh, areas of media and social media that need to be addressed because they're two really important areas, even though some folks may not realize it, YouTube and Reddit. These are two things that not only distribute information, but they're also sources of information for a lot of people. And Reddit especially uh, drives a lot of underlying stories you may not be aware of. Talk about censorship. He has a great example of how hard it is for the algorithms and the content moderators on places like YouTube and Reddit to try to keep up. Peter Pisky on the show today. Excited to talk to him. You're going to love him. He's got some great writing out. Uh, let's start right here, though. Hulu, the streamer service, it's owned by Disney. It's been around for a while. I have Hulu. We've always enjoyed Hulu. Um, But here's the headline out of Variety, which, of course, is more of an entertainment publication. Hulu and its corporate parent, Disney, are facing a backlash kicked off by Democratic leaders who expressed fury over Hulu's rejection of ads attacking the GOP's record on guns and abortion. Now, that's the leading paragraph. Second paragraph, on Tuesday morning, the hashtag boycott Hulu was one of the top trending topics on the U.S. Time out right for a second. Uh, Boycott whatever or such and such is over. Those things trend every single day. Sometimes they have more things than others. Sometimes they have more merit than others. Uh, Boycotts for political stuff 
mostly do not work because mostly it's just outrage of people that aren't using that product anyway. Now, I know some people can. You have a right to spend your money how you see fit. There's certain things I don't spend my money on. Some of it sometimes politically, but usually it's because I don't care for the moral or something like that. But yeah, I'll pick my money based on things like politics, like how they're presenting the product. That's not really what's going on here, though. Those are the first two lines, and it goes on to talk about the details of the Democratic organizations are all up in an uproar. But when you get down to the bottom, you know these news articles, you always got to kind of you get past the first part and get down to the bottom. You kind of start getting to what's going on, right? Uh, the controversy of the ads on Hulu come in the wake of Republican heavy Supreme Court issues rolling on the term over Roe v. Wade and gun restrictions. For the forthcoming launch of Disney Plus versions with ads set to launch in late 2022, Disney has told marketers that it will not accept political ads or ads for alcohol or ads for rival streamers. Again, these are their platforms. Don't, don't embarrass yourself talking about free speech. They're allowed to have whatever on their platform they want. But Hulu does not have a similar blanket ban on political or issue-oriented advertising. Hold that thought. I'm going to come right back to it. Hulu's growth has cooled in recent quarters. As of April 2nd, Hulu had 45.6 million paying customers. That's up 10% year over year, but it only gained 300,000 subscribers. That includes the 41 million Hulu Plus Live subscribers, which declined by 200,000. Disney owns two-thirds of Hulu. Comcast owns the other 33%. Comcast can require Disney to buy out its interest coming up in 2024. Why is that important? This is a business deal. 2024, they're going to renegotiate this setup. Comcast wants a big fat check out of Disney. Disney's going to worry about the valuation of this company. Like I said, I have Hulu. Let me tell you where this is coming from. In the 2020 elections, Hulu was running lots of political ads by lots. And I've actually did stories on this and I recorded it and I kept track of it. For a while there in 2020, Every single commercial on Hulu was a political ad. Sometimes they would play the same ad more than once in the same commercial break. It was so bad that we stopped watching Hulu in certain cases because all it was was political ad after political ad. Like other streaming platforms like Netflix, Hulu was living off content from other people. They've taken their content, put it back on their own programs. So they have a little less content and they're starting to contract a little bit. Now, Hulu's in better shape because it has the Disney properties, primarily ABC television, things like that, that they can go to. So Hulu's still a good product. I still pay for it. I'm a Hulu customer. But I'm telling you from experience, what's really going on here isn't just the Democrats in this cycle being mad. Hulu got a ton of blowback because there were so many ads of both stripes that this stuff was basically unwatchable. And this deal's coming up in 2024. By the way, that'll be a presidential election year. You think they want to deal with this then with that deal coming up? Follow the money, folks. You usually get to the truth. You can boycott it if you want to, but it's not going to affect Disney one little bit. They've got a plan here, and they're working through it. And the online social media noise probably won't affect it very much. So what we do here, we don't just talk about the news. We talk about why it's news and how it affects us so we can discern our times. More Heard Tell right after this. When- 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Hurt Tell. Uh, this is one of those pet peeve things that just kind of uh, aggravate me when I read it. So I want to walk through this real quick. Uh, remember, we talk about not just the news, but how the news is presented. Things that get in front of you on a web page or on a talking head show or in your feeds, those don't get there accidentally. They're there by purpose most of the time, although occasionally a story does organically go viral. Even most of those are planned. But uh Listen to this headline, Bloomberg. This was from last week, and it's been bugging me ever since. Americans who can't afford homes are moving to Europe instead. Prohibitive housing prices, a strong dollar, and political rancor have contributed to a wave of elections. Americans relocating to Europe. Oh, that sounds ominous. How is this? Folks, this is from Bloomberg. This is not about Americans who can't afford homes moving to Europe. This is about selling copy to the American subset that has a lot of disposable income. Remember that the premise here is Americans who can't afford home. Well, let's take a couple of their examples real quick. Uh, this young lady, I'm not going to use her name because I don't want to pick on her because she's just in the article. Uh, they talk about how hard it is for her to pay rent in Atlanta. So she's going to move to Europe because she can't afford it, even though she has $300,000 cash on hand. I know Atlanta is an expensive market, but in just about everywhere else in America, that'd buy you a pretty decent home. You just need to maybe look at your living situation a little bit. So she moved to Italy into a 3,000-square-foot house, and it was for a lot cheaper, about 60,000 euros, but still, the average American does not have $300,000 cash on hand, plus they were paying about $3,000 a month in rent in Atlanta, so obviously they got a little bit of income. Next person, wanted to retire at 50. Well, that's nice if you can option to retire at 50 you plan ahead to do that you do that fantastic a lot of americans can't do that though is that people that can't afford living no that's somebody who just wanted to retire early wanted to change their lifestyle again good for them freedom's an amazing thing hope it works out for you but that's not the premise that we're being sold here and lastly just to really put a number on this one is somebody who wanted to move to portugal well it turns out portugal and spain are both offering golden visa programs they fast track you to move into the country, get visas. You can live and work in the country. The trick, you got to have 350 to 500,000 euros respectively to invest in the country. Again, this isn't a news article about people that can't afford to live. This is about a news article about people with disposable income to spend. That's a target audience for a whole lot of the media, especially news media and print media. They want people with disposable income. So they'll spend money on the media. 
but that also shapes how the news and media and stories like this are presented to you and we should be made well aware by the way my favorite part of this is the subheading about political rancor and it talks about people moving to italy the day after this piece was published the italian prime minister was deposed they had to dissolve parliament and he had to step down in scandal the idea that there's not rancor of political stripes in other country is laughable it means you don't really know what's going on in the world more hotel right after this Welcome back to Hurt Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. Okay, been looking forward to getting him on the show for a while. He's become quite a good Twitter buddy. We talk about things offline. We're going to do it on Main today, as those kids say. Uh, Peter Pischke, he's a Young Voices contributor, freelance journalist, a long, long list of credits as far as his writing goes. You can find him all over the place. We're going to talk about a couple of his pieces. As always, they will be linked in the show notes. Peter, how are you, my friend? Good to see you. Great to be here. Howdy, everyone. Uh, glad to have you in. We want to start big picture because we're going to talk about two parts of media that and I'm guilty about this, too, because I'm a little bit older and I, I still grew up on the tail end of no Internet, early Internet in the 90s. We tend to look at these two mediums at somewhat niche or as just social media or message boards, but they're way bigger than that. And we want to get into them with two pieces you wrote today, Reddit and YouTube. Um, let's start with YouTube, because I don't think people maybe realize YouTube is actually, when you step back and look for it, I know it's all user-based. This is really one of the biggest media platforms in the world right now. Oh, easily. YouTube is, for all intents and purposes, the largest um, open uh, video platform on the net. Arguably, you could say uh, Baidu over there in China is bigger, but uh, I don't know if I trust those numbers. But yeah, it's it's huge. And to give it a little bit of perspective, you know, when you think about a news site, if you look at like the traffic for a site like Salon, a fairly popular uh, left-wing kind of blog website, they track their views, the the number of clicks they get in the millions. And so they say, oh, we had a, a 5 million a week or we had a 30 million a month. Well, for many YouTubers who are considered just middle-level YouTubers, say the gaming YouTuber, the quartering, he sometimes gets that every two weeks. And that, uh, you know, look at even the the huge ones like PewDiePie. I mean, they're getting that sometimes per video. So uh, YouTube in so many ways really is the dominant way people um, communicate and digest information, not just like real news, but, you know, all kinds of fun topics. Yeah, we got some data here. Pew found out almost a quarter of people that use YouTube say they get their primary source of news, not networks, not websites. Their primary source of news is YouTube. Now, all major news outlets have YouTube pages now. Uh, we clip them often. We use them all the time. Uh, these house hearings, for example, that's all streamed on YouTube now. This is a culture shift that we've seen it in real time, but I don't think we've fully vested, and you've talked about it in some of your writing, I don't think we've fully vested what this changed and how people access and interpret information though have we no no i and i think this is something that um both people in conservative media and mainstream media for the most part don't 
quite understand yet there because the people that become journalists, they come from a, a point of view and a certain background where they don't really connect with um, the more popular uh, underculture. So people like, you know, even though I disagree with their reporting often, uh, like Taylor Lorenz to people like Ben Shapiro, there are those that understand that really we are living in a new media ecosystem. And it's just uh, most of uh, news media has yet to catch up. We got that on this too. Peter's joining us on Herd Tell. And here's why that works. And I'm going to try to walk through this from a numbers point of view, and then we'll talk about the cultural aspect. But what you just said, somebody like Taylor Lorenz, who's, you know, they've already got a massive platform, was at the New York Times, now at the Washington Post, you know, big time, big J journalist places. Here's why this works this way. 62% of all internet users go on YouTube daily. That's an astonishing number, but here's the one that makes that number more important. Um, the visitors that come onto YouTube, 99% of YouTube users are also on other social media platforms. You got into this with your Reddit article. You got into this with your YouTube article. The thing about YouTube is, and I've got, look, this show's on a YouTube channel. My radio station partner, they're on a YouTube channel. You've got a Substack which links to YouTube. YouTube has really yeah. become the hub for media and it goes everywhere else. That's the part of that that people don't really think about is 99% of YouTubers, they're either getting there through social media or going somewhere else through social media again. No, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reinforcing ecosystem that uh, is pretty powerful. Um, it, it doesn't really necessarily need the more traditional places like uh, news outlets uh, it's like this whole different universe. And it, what's so interesting is it's this universe that's much bigger than the, the traditional media universe, but that's not how people like to think of it. Now, part of what you were writing about when you got into act man and some of this other thing is we are trying to apply traditional rules to this new media, uh, copyright rules. Everybody knows that our YouTube users, even somebody like me that doesn't fully understand it, even though I've got my channel on there, I got bit by it. I, I had a clip grabbed because they didn't like something I said. And I, I appealed. And I'm like, I didn't even say what you said I said. And, it, you know, it's an algorithm. There's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Part of the problem with this platform, I know we talk about biases. People talk about bannies and all this. Part of it is, though, we're just applying old rules to a new medium. And we're still kind of in the early, even though we've had YouTube for 10, 12 years now, we're still in this infancy of trying to figure out what the rules for this thing ought to be and the old rules don't really apply real nice and neat do they no they and in fact the way that youtube is set up often um the rules that we might abide by get in the way of doing good work on youtube or getting traffic um and sometimes it's the other way around where youtube might be more authentic than maybe some of the more uh clicky soundbite news outlets like your local news. It's interesting. They, they don't quite cover each other one-to-one -one and the standards are a little different. I like to think of YouTube as kind of like the early years of American journalism, where it's a lot more free form. You have all kinds of things coming your way. There is a lot of great work and there are very serious people there, but there's also, you know, some flamethrowers, people who like to stir the pot. <laughs> now I'm a history guy, Peter Pisky joining us on Hertel. Uh, I'm a history guy. I know you're, as a journalist, you're a little bit of a history guy, too, because that just kind of goes hand in hand. I know the early American journal, we had yellow journalism. We had uh, stuff that now wouldn't even pass as tabloid stuff that would be illegal with the current libel laws, some of the stuff they did back then. You dealt with it with your Act Man piece a little bit. Part of the problem with YouTube is you have a lot of bad faith actors. You have people that know how to uh, hijack the system, for lack of a better way of doing it to for nefarious means and part of the problem here is youtube 
a lot of the times, and I'm going to give them a little bit of benefit of a doubt here. I know people will jump on this. They don't seem to be able to really tell the difference between those good faith actors and the bad faith actors sometimes, do they? No, nor does it seem like they want to because they, social media companies in Silicon Valley, they want questionable deniability. So for one, giving too much information to people. So like there are clear rules of the road, what will get you banned, what won't. That doesn't work for them. It goes the other direction. They don't necessarily want every little piece of information because like you see, maybe with the Elon Musk, um, his argument with Twitter, well, I don't really need to, don't really want to know about the Twitter bot traffic right now because, you know, later on, if I get asked about this, that could hurt me. So, and frankly, there's... The, the capabilities are there. You know, YouTube can tell you by the second who's watching what, how much, and why. But uh, that isn't information they're ever released to the public. Because, and this is something throughout social media, we're not just picking on YouTube here. They're an information company first and then a video company second. But we don't understand that because we just want the content. We just want to watch our views. That's why their priorities are different, isn't it? That, that is a big a very big part of it. It's a YouTube and Silicon Valley tech companies uh, with social media. Their business model is way different than the the front they put up. For YouTube, if they were just a video service company, they, they lose money every year. The majority of YouTubers do not produce enough revenue to offset the cost of like servers, legal, etc. Don't I know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's so they make their money on things like um clout clout having you know having a lot of influence that helps they make a lot of money on uh ads of course that's when everyone knows they make a lot of money on selling data and information um it's interesting because it, it's weird because these are such big powerful companies you think but in some ways the, their revenue stream is fairly fragile not only fragile, they get dinged because they seem to make certain decisions and then you have a public outcry and then they adjust it. Talk about your Act Man piece for a second. It's on your Happy Warrior Substack. We will link to it. Make sure you go subscribe to this Substack. He does great work there. Thank you. This is a good, this is kind of a good example of this because here you had a guy that was trying to expose a bad faith actor, got himself banned, and then they had to turn around and put him back on. And yet the bad faith actor just just kind of run us through this story, because it really is kind of a microcosm of some of that background we just walked through of they have a business model and the business model conflicts with the content. So the content side, we're seeing it one way. They're seeing it another way. Just why was this such a good example of what some of the problems and some of the good stuff of YouTube is? OK, so so uh, the, the TLDR as it is, the TLDR. Uh, Kelly Van Act is a YouTuber known as the Act Man. He runs uh, what he's popular for, a long-form gaming documentary videos. He kind of has a, his online presence is kind of like a gaming bro, but he's actually a pretty nice guy. Um, so there is another YouTuber that is well-known in the community for causing problems. And I don't mean just being like complaining on Twitter, like legal problems. This uh, YouTuber abuses the copyright system uh, constantly a real copyright troll. Um, he threatens people with legal action. He puts out spurious accusations that might get people in big trouble. Like he'll try to allege that they're a pedophile. He's more than happy to try to use his followers to cause all kinds of, uh, offline online mischief, a uh, really nasty guy, all things considered, uh, YouTube name, quantum TV. Anyhow. So quantum TV had been going after a teenage YouTuber, uh, Kelly, uh, had the, had, 
the teenager reach out to him because Ackman is known despite his gaming bro personality as being just a pretty nice guy that's willing to help out if you ask. And so he looked into it and it was, it was pretty egregious. So he, he just did a video kind of making fun of the guy on his Elden Ring review. And then that opened the floodgates. It's, it started with threats and strange emails. Um, and eventually it culminated in having his mom threatened. The guy do, uh, doxed him, called up his mom, uh, threatened her, say, hey, if you don't get your son on board and in control, you know, maybe we're going to have to pursue legal action, um, which kind of shook up their family. So um, maybe unwisely, uh, Axeman then put together a video documenting Aquam TV, all his bad acts and why, according to the rules of YouTube, and it's very well done, actually, and pretty clear why Quantum TV should not be on the platform. Now, when this happened and it became popular online, YouTube did not say, oh, gee, Willie <laughs> Willikers, you're right, Act Man. This is a problem. We should, we should do something about it. They said, no, Act Man, bad. Don't point this stuff out. So they, they took down his channel. They, they banned him first on his videos saying it was sexually suggestive. There's nothing whatsoever in it. It was PG content. Um, then later on, when they got more pressure, they complained and say, maybe it was these tweets that was about that, that they took him down or he was encouraging harassment, which he wasn't, but really it was about that. He had embarrassed YouTube. And even though Kelly, his channel had never had a copyright strike on him, had never broke the rules. He had always had a very good and professional relationship with YouTube. They took him down. It wasn't like you get three strikes. He's just, you're out. And uh, it was unknown what, what exactly was going on, and he seemed pretty despondent. Yeah, just then last week, YouTube um, let him back in the partner program with limited remonetization, and we don't know how that's going to happen or why exactly they brought him back on. But, it, but it's a scary thing because it shows that the rules that YouTube has or any of these social media companies, they are rules for the public to see, but they're not rules in actuality. They're, there's the front rules that they show everyone, and then there's the rules in the back, which they actually follow. And we're not going to tell people what exactly those are. So it, it, is a, it is a scary story in the sense that you, it's really unknown what you can do or not do on these platforms. And if you're someone like Kelly, who put in seven years of his life building his channel, that's his livelihood for him and his family. And they can just pull the plug at any minute for any reason. Well, that's, that, that's a difficult thing. Uh, so it's, so it is a messy story. And uh, it talks about some of the, the, the censorship issues are there. And as you allude to, it also shows that YouTube is in a hard spot. They, they constantly are balancing all kinds of concerns. Not, I mean, of course they have legal concerns and they have every government on planet earth breathing down their neck. And why aren't you doing more about this? Or why are you more doing more about that? They also have to deal with all these users, many of whom want to abuse the system or, or take strange advantage. And it's, you know, difficult to make money. But even with all those concerns, I, in this case, they didn't really handle it forthrightly, in my opinion. Yeah. And you also worked in a sort of Damocles uh, reference. Always appreciate a good Greek reference and they're well done. Talking to Peter Pitschke, uh, we're going to continue to talk about this. We're also going to get into Reddit. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back. Her Tell Show continues right after this.
Welcome back to Heard Tell. I'm Andrew Donaldson. That's Peter Piskey, uh, freelance journalist, Young Voices contributor, really good guy. Make sure you're subscribing to his Substack, Happy Warrior. He's got writing all over the place. Just follow him at the social media. You can see it on the screen there if you're on our YouTube. Let, let's wrap up the Ackman thing this way, though, because you just talked about him having seven years of his life into this. He has a lot invested into it. But that's also part of the problem here is that's probably the only reason he survived and came back from this. How many users are just smaller account? Like, you know, when I had my when I got my strike for no good reason, legitimately, like there wasn't anything there. You don't even get that. You just get the automated, you know, you put in a review and it's back in three seconds because it's all automated. It's like, well, no, just live with it. You have no recourse. Mm -hmm. He at least had a little bit of recourse. How many users out there aren't even getting that much? I, I would say it's probably, considering how big the platform, it's probably millions. Um, it's a little bit like the shadow ban problem on places like Twitter or Facebook is because they hold all the cards and they know the data. It's hard to prove when your traffic goes down for legitimate reasons versus when YouTube's messing with the algorithm. But yeah, political content in particular um, has been under a lot of strikes, but not just health content. Um, sometimes the content really is totally unpolitical in nature is relatively inoffensive, but maybe YouTube feels it's um, too much e-drama. Uh, and sometimes it's just no reason you can figure out whatsoever. <laughs> You're just like, there's nothing offensive here at all, YouTube. I don't understand. And then they're just like, you know, it's just talking to a wall. Uh, it's frustrating. To, to be it's fair frustrating. to the social media companies, though, how much of this did COVID just really screw it up? Because normally you would, ne because they build their platforms, probably no engineer in the world ever thought, well, we're going to have to really, really uh, sort through health content. Like they didn't think that was going to be a big cultural thing. That's not something an engineer that's designing the platform probably ever dreamed they would have to do just on a practical level, like the coding, the play that that's a huge curveball for a big platform is like all of a sudden, Oh, we have to figure out not only what vaccines are, but what our DNA, like that's, that's a big, big curveball for these kind of companies, isn't it? Yes. And, and being asked to be to be the speech police when that is not what the Web, as we know, was really built upon that that takes a whole that takes a lot of their time. Um, COVID in particular, you mentioned it. What COVID did to places like YouTube, YouTube especially, is that it gave Silicon, now whether you want to call this an excuse or it was business sense, it gave uh, YouTube the opportunity to downsize the amount of humans it had covering YouTube, and they could just up the amount of bots that were doing that same work, uh, which, which of course means it takes longer for you to get back from a human and more people are automatically flagged down legitimately and uh not so much yeah peter pisky joining us let's talk reddit for a minute Love to. let's start it let's start lowest level i always like to do nomenclature so everybody knows what we're talking about for somebody that has no idea what it is just briefly what is reddit and i know that's a that's one of those college questions of like you know explain god and give two examples but just real quick what is reddit <laughs> to the average person because it is a message board in that but it's really culturally ingrained way way more than just that now Reddit, in many ways, is is kind of the heart of what the internet what the internet people like to think it is. It, it's it's like kind of like old school message boards, but it covers just about any topic. It's uh, one website. It's divided into subreddits, and then each subreddit is a is a topic. Sometimes they're funny. Sometimes they're serious. Sometimes you know you can find a subreddit topic on just about anything. But what makes Reddit special is it came from that time in the web where the idea was we're going to allow the people, the users to um, put out the content, to talk about the topics that they care about and want to, and, and there won't be you know, uh, top-down control. 
for the most part, unless it's like serious illegal, Reddit used to, for the most part, just let it be. Uh, that is not the case anymore, but it is an important website because if you are a normal person and you feel an issue or a topic that you care about as a port, anyone can go on Reddit. They go to the, the subreddit, they put, they write a post. And if you do well, you'll get lots of upvotes. It's, it's actually pretty democratic and, and a special site in that way, even with all the issues it still has. Yeah. And as somebody that runs a website, a writing website at ordinary-times.com for the better part of four years now, uh, people are like, well, what does Reddit matter? I'm telling you, Reddit matters because the right subreddit gets a hold of a piece. It can make a video or a writing piece or even just a picture, whatever. Those some of those subreddits are so big, they can instantly make something go viral. So yeah, it it I look, I'm one of them. I don't fully understand Reddit. I don't use Reddit. There's a lot of ick on Reddit. Let's just be upfront mm-hmm. about that. There True. is because it is, I know some of it they're moderating now, but it's still pretty much the wild west of the internet over there because it's text form and you can text things. It's harder than like a picture. That's how you go viral online is if you get the right Reddit thread going in a big hurry. So yeah, it really does matter, especially when you're talking about a news item or a breaking news item or an internet rumor or the ever popular on Reddit conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> yes. Oh no. There's there's lots of serious stuff, but there's also a lot of there's just a lot of memes and uh, crap posting, <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff. I I I I'm a a fairly frequent Reddit user, more reader than a poster. But you know, I've found information or found contacts or helped c- connect facts and stories from help from other redditors. It's a very useful site. I know a lot of journos especially who are on like the digital media bait, use Reddit pretty frequently to help put up story ideas. So it, it's an influential site. It's uh, it's uh, in North America. It's usually a top 10 site. Yeah. Now compare it. We just talked about YouTube. You also wrote about Reddit. Compare and contrast the two when it comes to banning content. What's the same? Because the, the overall problem is kind of still the same is, okay, when does content rise to the point that the whoever the platform is doesn't want to be responsible for it to the water world? That's the basic problem. That's a universal problem. What's the same and what's different between what we just talked about with YouTube and other social media and Reddit in particular? The commonality between the two is an ethos that they don't want to get in trouble for anything and they're not quite sure what that is. Part of them is because Silicon Valley is full of extremely left-wing people who are very uh, vocal and active in their views and how they should be enforced. The other part of it is we live in an era right now where governments, especially the U.S. government, feel that these companies should be doing their bidding. So instead of trying to pass a law or certain regulation, they're going to put pressure on these tech companies to enforce what they believe are the correct social and political views. It's similar in the sense that Reddit and YouTube vote right now. They're trying to figure out ways where they will have to rely less on users and rely less on messy comments and and all and the drama and all the problems that come with that. Uh, they're different in the way that they're doing it. Uh, Reddit, because it's ruled by moderators, Reddit got really clever where they were going to put pressure on the people who would moderate the subs. Uh, and they would they would put uh, like kind of like YouTube. I said, there's a secret set of rules in one of these articles. That's literally what happened where they this one subreddit um, that w- didn't start that way, but ended up being basically covering um, trans exclusionary content or, or talking about the topic with um, the gender issues people were about today. And they were telling these people behind the scenes, hey, why aren't you censoring that? Why are not you blocking that? And they were like, because it's not against the rules. Here are the rules you gave us. 
there's nothing on here that says anything about we're like, well, no, if you don't, if you don't get rid of that, if you don't do something about it, we're going to take you down. And guess what? <laughs> they took them down. Uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy. I, I, I'm not, when it comes to the internet, I'm very libertarian. I'm like, hey, you know, as long as people aren't breaking the law, I don't see the problem too much. Uh, and just, you know, let things be. That's how the internet used to be. And that's how both sides basically looked at the internet. But these days it's a different world and there is a very strong viewpoint. And unfortunately, they are the people that are often in charge or working at these companies where they should be proactive people to try to um, control or prod a society to go in certain directions. And for one, I disagree with it because maybe I'm just an old school kind of Democrat in those views. Another, I just don't like being proud of it. I don't think I don't think many people do. Yeah, fair enough. Peter Pitsky joining us. Uh, put your journalist hat on for me for a second real quick. Um, I don't think news media and I'm, I'm qualifying that as kind of the traditional news media networks, talking heads and their affiliated websites, the traditional media, big J journalism media. I don't think they do a great job of covering the internet and I understand they're on the internet and it's ingrained in what they're doing. But when it comes to things like YouTube and Reddit and now TikTok and kind of the uh, Twitch is a great example of this now where that's the fastest growing political platform in America and almost nobody seems to know it because it's not covered on mainstream. They don't seem to be able to keep up with the bleeding edge of this stuff as well as a journalist. If you could just have, you know, you're having your journalist convention in a spot, you know, unrequited place. What do you tell them? Like, here's something we need to do better at when we're covering things like YouTube, like Reddit, like bands, like content moderation. I would say you need to try to pay attention to where the eyeballs actually are. And you probably should try to understand why it's important instead of just being like, you know, um, you know, uh, being like the old uh, Sunday school mom, like, oh, you know, uh, think of the children. Maybe take a second, take a deep breath, try to understand why this appeals to people. Um, you know, I mentioned Taylor Lorenz earlier in here. She's kind of a Twitter friend. You know, I disagree with her often, but she is one of these people that does understand that where where people are actually communicating with media and news media can either try to keep appealing to people to a, a, sh a shrinking audience, even with Fox News, you know, it, it's the biggest of the news networks, but, you know, population wise, it, it's shrinking. Um, so this is kind of like the new world and news media, you know, if you ignore it, if, if you fail to take advantage of it, well, then that affects um, your company and the work you're going to do at your own peril. Yeah. And Taylor Lorenz for folks that want to say, oh, well, how does she matter? The last two breaking stories she did, especially this last one that she did, that was the top thing that Washington Post had this entire year. And you think of all the the noise and the news stuff that we've had this year, that was one of the biggest trending things they've had for the entire year for multiple days, which is just gold in journalism. I, I, if I can, if I, I cannot tell you how many times uh, in the last two, three years where I've tried to cover more tech stories about the internet how many times you approach an editor and, and i love all the people i work with and they're amazing i have no complaints but you know that they often just don't see the people they're like look this is just a story about a beef between two youtubers oh this is just a story about some some small subreddit drama it doesn't really matter and i i understand that point of view and i can say if you're a news outlet if you get to, you get to pick out a certain amount of stories you can cover you can't cover everything but these things are much more impactful than we think. And it's really where people's hearts are. And whether that's 
right or not, or whether that's uh, mature or not, or whatever you want to think um, digesting news, consuming news should be. That That is the reality of the situation. And as someone that uh, kind of feels like um, as a reporter or a journalist, you always want to tell the truth, but you also need to keep an eye on what people are interested in and where the big things are happening. And it, that's, that is where it's happening on the internet. Um, yeah, as a really wise person told me a little while back when I first started doing this, it was like thing to remember about journalists is they don't understand they're the original content creators. They just don't want to think of themselves that way. I was like, ah, that's a that's an yep. interesting way to put it. Peter Pitsky, great stuff today. Love having you on. We will be having you back, my friend. But until we get you back Happy on the to. show, yeah, until we get you back, though, let folks know where they can follow you, what you got going on. We know your Substack. We're going to link to it, but give it, give us the pitch on that. Let folks know about your social media and how they can keep up with you in the meantime. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, there's the Happy Warrior Substack. We are working on bringing back the podcast again. Um, you can follow me. I'm often on Twitter at Happy Warrior P. I'm also on Facebook and other places. Uh, I freelance. So you can find my my culture stuff on the Federalist, but I write more newsy stuff like with Newsweek or, oh, my mind is blanking, Reason Magazine, some others elsewhere. And at the moment, I'm working with uh, your news org. Uh, to on a piece about the Elon Musk situation, which I'm excited to uh, get completed on. And, and I love doing good journalism. That always makes me happy when people connect and are like, hey, I love this piece, or I have some <laughs> constructive criticism. Okay, not always do I appreciate that, but often I do. Uh, and, and just that's really all I want in, in my life and in the world. I just want to do good journalism that helps people. And that's what makes me happy. Yep. He's a great writer. He's a good journalist. He's one of those good freelance guys you need to support. He's becoming a pretty good friend. We want to make him a regular on our programming and on our platforms. Peter Pitsky, great job, buddy. We'll talk again real soon. Thank you. You too. Thank you, sir. The situation over in Russia has been ugly because of their brutality towards Ukraine. We've been following the war. There hasn't been a lot of uh, somewhat funny stories, and this would be comical if it wasn't so deadly. But uh, Russia has figured out why the war in Ukraine has not gone according to plan. This is Allison Quinn writing in Yahoo. Um, I'll just read the headline verbatim. Russia says it's losing because Ukraine has experimental mutant troops created in secret biolabs. <laughs> Nearly five months into the senseless war against Ukraine, Russia has concocted a wild new explanation for why the Kremlin's plans for a quick takeover fell apart so spectacularly, because Ukrainian troops were turned into superhuman killing machines during, quote, secret experiments in American-run biolabs. Of course, never mind the myriad reports of Russian troops refusing to fight by the thousands, sabotaging their own shoddy equipment, and even deliberately wounding themselves to abandon the war. Russian lawmakers claimed the real setback was, quote, drugged up Ukrainian soldiers. This claim was made Monday by two Russian lawmakers heading up a commission to investigate bio laboratories in the Ukraine. Those are in quotes, by the way, because it's nonsense. Konstantin Kozovich, uh, the deputy speaker of Russia's Federation Council, and Yurena Yarovaya, not sure how to pronounce that one, deputy chief of the state Duma, touted what they described as a bombshell finding from the, quote, investigation 
Same investigation that won't call this a war, probably. Testing Ukrainian POW's blood, they claimed, uncovered a range of diseases that suggest they were secretly experimented on for military purposes. Uh, by the way, just pause right here. Uh, other people throughout the years, especially Nazi Germany, they did crap like this. It's a way to dehumanize your opponents. They've already gone with uh, Vladimir Putin talking about how they're not a real country. They don't have a real history. This is further dehumanization. That way they can excuse all the brutality and human rights violations they're visiting on the people. It's all part and parcel. Back to the peace. And we see, this is a quote from the wackadoo Duma people who are covering up their war crimes. The cruelty and barbarity with which the military personnel of Ukraine behave, the crimes they commit against the civilian population, they are the civilian population, you lying, duplicitous weasels. The civilian population, the monstrous crimes that they commit against prisoners of war, confirm that this system for the control and creation of a cruel murder machine was implemented under the management of the United States. Yaravaya, I think is how you say this, was quoted telling reporters she's utterly full of it. Uh, and those performance-enhancing drugs that they are still given in order to completely neutralize the last traces of human consciousness, see what they're doing? Dehumanizing. And turn them into the most cruel and deadly monsters also confirms this. Bizarrely, this is the piece from Allison, she also claims the presence of hepatitis A antibodies in Ukrainian presidents was proof of an American biolabs conspiracy since a former health minister for Ukraine was a dual Ukrainian-American citizen who had worked to acquire drugs for the treatment of hepatitis in the country. It is quite possible, this is a quote, that this was all about testing those drugs on military personnel. The claims appear to be a new take on the biolabs conspiracy theory that Russia's defense minister has routinely rolled out to try to justify the war. While the conspiracy theory dates all the way back to the Soviet Union and has been amplified more frequently by the Kremlin figures after the February 24th invasion, illegal invasion, as Moscow initially claims that it was invaded Ukraine in order to denazify a country that is led by a Jewish president and has a heavy Jewish population, but don't get facts in the way. Much traction beyond its own domestic propaganda. The latest itineration appears to be aimed at explaining away Russia's military setbacks by way of mutant military troops. This is such nonsense. This is what happens in a dictatorship, folks. It can't be their fault. can't be the boss's fault because you wind up getting disappeared or getting nuclear poison dropped on you. So you got to find the party line. Apparently, Ukraine's all a bunch of hawks and she-hawks, not attorneys of law, but actually mutant hawks, and that's what they're fighting. It's not their own incompetence. More Hurtel after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. back to Hertel, we always end on a good note you've seen this viral video probably the pizza guy that runs into the burning house to save a bunch of kids here's the full backstory abc7 out of chicago lafayette indiana 
After an argument with his girlfriend, pizza delivery driver Nick Bostick took his car for a drive to clear his head on a seemingly sleepy summer night. By the night's end, the Indiana man had saved five people from a burning home, including a six-year-old girl. He jumped out of a second-story window with and suffered serious injuries that were, quote, all worth it. While driving his car, Bostick passed a two-story house in Lafayette, a suburb outside of Indianapolis, on fire. It was adrenaline, and I hightailed my butt into the house, he said. Meanwhile, David and Tierra Bar- Barrett were writing up a date when David received a call from his 18-year-old daughter who was babysitting her three siblings, one, six, and 13, along with a 13-year-old friend. Siona told her dad that the house was on fire and she and her four kids were inside. We dropped everything we were doing and took off running, David said. Siona said she first saw the fire in the living room, ran upstairs yelling and grabbed her baby sister. We started running down the stairs and that's when we saw Nick and we couldn't find Kalani, Siona said. Bostic helped them out the door before desperately searching for Kalani, whom the family affectionately calls Baby K. I took a deep breath and I ran downstairs and I grabbed Kalani. I used my ears to help find her, Bostic said, because of the dense smoke. He said his only option was to exit through a second floor window. Bostic punched out the glass and jumped to the safety with a six-year-old girl in his arms. He suffered multiple injuries, but the girl only suffered a minor cut to her foot. Body camera video captured the aftermath of the jump as Bostic handed Kalani to the police and collapsed on the pavement while receiving treatment. The video shows Bostic asking, is the baby okay? Please tell me that baby's okay before someone off camera assured him that the kid was fine. I remember pulling up to the house and running up and all Siona could say was, I can't find Kalani, David Barrett said. Then the officer said, she's in the ambulance and they told me about Nick and what he had done. I started crying. One of the most awful feelings I have is that I wasn't there. Kalani saying, daddy, I was looking for you. The cause of the fire is currently under investigation. The family lost just about everything except the important thing. Kids are okay. On our wall in our living room, it was completely burned down. The only thing that was left was a sign that read love, and that's all I feel from everyone, David said. Family said they did pick up a new family member. God used the most unlikely characters. He sends angels, David said. Bostick, who suffered from smoke inhalation in addition to arm injuries and other wounds, was airlifted to an Indianapolis hospital and discharged two days later. He said he's not a hero. He just did what anybody else would have done for him and his family if their home was on fire. It was all worth it, he said. I keep reminding myself what a small sacrifice, a temporary pain, so it's all well worth it. GoFundMe's been set up to establish by Bostick's family's help with his medical bills. It's up to half a million dollars. Good on everyone involved. That'll do it for Hertel today. Let us know how we did. Hertelshow at gmail.com. Hertelshow on the Twitter. We would love to hear from you. You can also comment in the comment section if you're watching on youtube or on the facebook live feed for our radio partner as always i'm andrew donaldson i'm at four for the fire on the twitter you can always get a hold of me there and we look forward to hearing from you if you're not listening we don't have anybody to talk to this partnership so let us know you're out there we've done whole segments just on what uh y'all have wanted to ask about talk about corrected us on in a few occasions never know maintain your bearing be nice be happy to hear from you So until we hear from you again on the next Hertel, we hope wherever you are across the street or around the world, you're well, you and yours are well fed. And we'll talk to you tomorrow for more Hertel. All the music on Hertel is provided under a creative content license from monstercat.com. Somos la magia.